Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing in this mid-April, April the 15th? Wait, it's the 16th. I got the wrong date. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you had a great Easter last week. I want to just say uh, thank you so much uh, for Easter and just a time of celebrating. And uh, proud of you guys for the inviting that you did, the bringing that you did. And, and listen, if you invited someone last week and they didn't come, it's okay. You did your job. You invited. That's all that we can do. But uh, it, was a, it was a great, great day here. Um, and uh, just really, really thankful for what God did in some hearts and some lives. And so uh, here, here's, here's where we need to get to as a church, though. We need to get to a place where we can do all that we can to invite people to be a part of us and to be a part of church whether it's Easter, whether it's May the 10th, whatever the case may be. And uh, that's just something that we want to create in, in the culture here at Hope Church. But thank you so much for, uh, for doing that last week. And uh, just was really excited to meet people and to hear from people. And I know that people's lives are impacted. So that's what it's about. It's about people meeting Jesus and us following him together. And so um, thank, thank you so much. It was, it was the uh, largest attendance in the history of our church. And so it, just, it was a great, great day. And it's not just about the people in the seats. It's really about lives being impacted. And that's what we want to be about. So, hey, I'm, yeah, give the Lord a hand for that. We're going to start a really different type of series today called End Times Spoiler Alert. And um, I know just from my time in church, my time growing up in church, even serving on staffs as a youth pastor and associate pastor, um, I, I can probably count on one hand the sermons and or series that I've heard about the book of Revelation. And people just get, they get it gets confusing, it gets, people get weirded out by it. And here, here's the deal. This series that we're starting today, it's going to run um, through, through April and parts of May. We're going to take a look at the book of Revelation, and I know some of you are like, <gasps> really? Um, but let me just, we're not going to dive deep into the book. We're going to kind of do a survey of it, and we're going to walk through it together. And this is a little bit of a different series in that, that there's going to be a lot of information for you. But here's, here's what I believe, that if all I do as, as a speaker, or <coughs> excuse me, as a pastor, is give you information, that's not enough. We want our lives to be transformed because information isn't enough. We need to have transformation in our lives. And so um, there's going to be some real applicable things that we learn together this week as we're, as we're starting this series. And Because I don't want this just to be a, a download of information for you. Um, but I want it to be something that can transform our day-to-day -day lives because that's what it's about. So I want to encourage you, if you do not have Loop on your phone, um, to get that on your phone. We can, any of the staff, we can help you do that. It's really, really easy. That is just a great tool for you to follow along with us scripturally, to look at past sermon notes, and to stay updated in that way. Here's the good news today. Jesus told us that in the end, he's going to win. Who can say amen to that? Amen. Now, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I like to play games and I like to win. Is anyone else with me there? Um, and I, 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 I look at winning this way. When you win, you win. And when you lose, hopefully you learn. And you, hopefully you gain something from that. But I mean, when I play a game, I, I want to win. And I, we've talked about that before. Uh, I like to beat my kids especially. It doesn't happen as much as I'd like. They beat me. And I won't even begin to talk about Crystal because she beats me in a lot of stuff when we play. And uh, um, we were playing a game yesterday afternoon uh, with dice called Yahtzee. Who's ever played Yahtzee before? It's a 
we were playing Yahtzee, and that's such a game of luck. There's a little bit of skill involved in planning and choices, but can I tell you who came in last? This guy. And I, I kind of ruined the rest of my day. I'm not going to say who won because I don't want to. I don't want their head to get too big. But anyway, um, I don't even need to know. Someone raised their hand over here, didn't they? <laughs> well, the the wonderful thing about what we're going to do today and about the Book of Revelation is that Jesus just says this to us. He says, "Hey, in the end, we're going to win. I, I, he wins in the end. The enemy doesn't win. Evil doesn't win. Satan doesn't win." Jesus wins, and it's really kind of this whole idea of a spoiler alert, and, and I know if, if you binge watch shows, you've encountered that in your own life before, but I want to relate it this way. Let's say that you recorded, you DVR'd, whatever, a game, a football game. We'll just use that as an example, and it was a game that you couldn't wait to watch, and before you could get home to watch it, someone spilled the beans about the ending. Someone said, listen, the, the Saints won, and you're like, man, you just ruined the game for me, but you decide to watch anyway. And you get to the game, and you, be, you begin watching the game, and the first quarter isn't looking so good, and you're like, what's going on? And back-to-back possessions, the Saints fumble the ball, and then there's an interception, and they're down big, and it looks like there's no way they're going to win. But you know, because someone's already told you the ending, you know that they win. And you're kind of like, well, I want to watch this and see how this ending comes to be. When we look around our world and we see evil advancing, we see, um, we see all types of violence, we see an unstable economy, we see um, propaganda being put out there that, that goes against what we believe and what the Bible says, um, we see society further and further going into darkness, but yet here in the book of Revelation, Jesus tells us that we don't have to fear, we don't have to be afraid, and that ultimately he does win. And here's why the book of Revelation was given to us. It was given to us to let us live with confidence and not to live in fear. That, that you and I, we can live as followers of Jesus, even, even with all the stuff that's going on in the world, we can live with confidence, not with fear. And sometimes people read through the book of Revelation and they live with fear. What does this sign mean? What does this beast thing mean? What is going on here? When's this going to happen? And all these questions begin to stir up in us. But as a follower of Jesus, we should live in confidence knowing that Jesus ultimately wins the victory. He's already won the victory and in the end he's going to win. And here's, here's the big win for us as followers of Jesus. That we would come to this understanding that Jesus could come back. He could return at any moment, which is what we're going to talk about today for a few minutes. And when we start to really believe that, that today, while we're still here at church, he could come back. That tomorrow, he could return. That next week, he could return. That it could happen at any moment. We start to really believe that, and then we begin to live a little bit differently. Then our lives look a little different. Then we begin to live better. Then we begin to live more in the way that God wants us to. And I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I can't stand up here and tell you a date. But here's what I do know. If he returns while I'm still living, I want him to find me living a life that he would be proud of. Not a perfect life. Not a life that has all the answers. I don't get everything right all the time. But I want, I want him to find me living a faithful life that he would be proud of. Let's talk about rapture for a minute. Who's, who's heard of rapture before? Rapture, it's, it's actually not in scripture. It's actually a Latin word that means to be um, 
term meaning caught up. Biblical scholars, have, have theologians kind of not invented the word, but came up with this word, rapture. It's in, and so we're going to talk about rapture today, and, and I hope for you to leave here with a clear understanding of what's going to go on so that we can live lives that make a difference and have an impact. I want to take you to, we're going to go through a bunch of scripture today. We're going to be in Revelation, but I want us to look in 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians together before we get there. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 um, is a passage, actually a few more verses than that, that talk about what's going to happen. And this is what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And I want to just stop there. As a pastor, I, I've had the, the privilege of doing many funerals, some with really difficult circumstances, others with, with funerals where someone lived a long life and, and, and you're, you're like, well, they, they got all out of life that they could. But can I, and, and some, some tragedies and different things through the years, but can I tell you this, probably the, the most difficult funeral for me to do as a pastor is when someone has died and, and, and to the best of our knowledge, there's no, they, they did not have a relationship with Jesus. So you have a family that's grieving, a family that's experiencing loss, and there's not this hope about what the future is going to bring. Because as followers of Jesus, we, we, we have hope for the people that we love that we've lost, whether young or old, how, no matter how old we are, there is hope that we have because of Jesus and what he's done that one day we will be together again. And so the writer of Thessalonians, Paul, just said this to this church. Hey, I, I don't want you to grieve like people that don't have hope because we have hope. There, there's something to look forward to. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And, and so um, it goes on in, in verse 15 and says this, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from the graves. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to hopefully explain that a little bit in a minute. Verse 17, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. There's a lot there in those five or six verses, isn't there? There's a lot of, I'm not sure what that means. I'm, I'm not sure all that Paul is saying right there. I'm not sure what he's trying to communicate to us. Um, we know this, Scripture tells us this, that, that to be absent from our bodies from our physical bodies, when, when, when we leave our physical bodies, we're going to be with the Lord. Our spirit is going to be with the Lord. Our bodies stay in the grave. Our, our, our physical bodies stay where, where they're buried, where they're cremated, whatever the case may be. But to, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and, and Scripture promises this, and it says that we're going to have a brand new body, a new spiritual body, we're going to be made perfect. We're not going to have aches and pains. I was talking with someone this morning. We were talking about getting older and the aches and pains that you feel and the pills that you got to take and the tests that you got to do. And all of that stuff will be in the past when we live forever in heaven with Jesus. We're, you're not going to have to worry. Well, my eyesight isn't good or I can't quite hear or my knees ache 
or I've got high blood pressure medication. You're not gonna have to, we're not going to have to worry about any of that because we're going to have a perfect body. What does that look like? I don't know. We could make a joke. We could, we could go there. I, I'm not exactly sure. But we're not going to get old. Someone say amen. <laughs> we're not going to get sick. We're, we're not going to have aches and pains. We're going to have this new heavenly spiritual body. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited for that day. I'm excited for what that's going to be and for, for, for how we're going we're gonna to get there. Because um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. So let me just explain it this way. So I, I've sometimes looked at these verses in 1 Thessalonians and gone, well, I'm not exactly sure how that lines up. Let me, I'm going to do my best to explain it. Um, so when someone dies that knows the Lord, their body remains in the grave, their body remains cremated, whatever the case may be. Um, but our spirit is in God's presence. Well, when Jesus returns, when the rapture happens, the, those that have, that have had a relationship with Jesus are going to come up out of the graves because, because we're going to get a new body. It's not just refurbishing the old one. We're going to get a new one. And those of us that are still alive are going to be joint with them. Jesus isn't coming back down to the earth in the rapture. We're going to meet him in the clouds. And, um, and, and that's going to be an, an exciting time. It's going to be it's going to be an unbelievable time for people who are still here. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And Paul wrote this book as well and to this church in Corinth. And he goes into a little bit more detail about, about what goes on. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 58. I know it's kind of a longer passage. We're going to crank through some scripture today um, because I want us to get an understanding, not from my own personal opinion, but from Scripture, what we can expect and what we can look forward to. Verse 51 says this, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Someone say amen. amen. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the trumpet is blown. This is talking about, this is talking about rapture here. For when, the, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. And that's talking about the new bodies that we're going to have. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Verse 56. For sin is the, sitting that, is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us, what's that word there? He give, I, that, was, that, was, that was weak. We're going to do it again. He gives us what? Victory. Because we know that we win. We know that Jesus wins in the end. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You sweep a floor for the Lord, it's not useless. You feed someone who's hungry that you don't even know. You may not even know their name, but they need something and you have it to give. That's not, there, there's nothing useless about that. It, anything we do on the Lord's behalf, it, it, it accomplishes something. And so I want us to get an understanding of, this, of a timeline really quickly. And you're going to see this come up on the screen. And I want to just kind of walk you through this timeline as best I can for just a few minutes. To maybe help us understand a little bit more about 
rapture, about second coming, and then we're going to talk about when this rapture happens according to what Scripture says. So we have the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, and that Old Testament predominantly deals with, all throughout the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, deals with the nation of Israel. The, the people that God chose, the Jewish people, it's about his relationship with them. It's about them living for God and them not living for God and them being close to Yahweh and them not being close to Yahweh. And they went in these cycles all throughout Scripture. From Genesis to Malachi, we see that, that the Old Testament predominantly deals with Israel. And then something happens and we get to the New Testament. And that's where in the first four books we, we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where Jesus is born, he lives a life, he does miracles, he teaches, he lives a sinless life and dies on a cross for us and is raised to life again. And, and so we, we have that in the first four books. And the rest of the New Testament, after the crucifixion and resurrection, deals with the church. From Acts and Romans and all the, all the epistles, the Ephesians and all that, it, it, it predominantly deals with the church. And so in the Old Testament, it was dealing with the nation of Israel. And unless and some of us may be Jewish in here, we have, we have that in our blood. But for many of us, most of us in this room probably are Gentiles. So the Old Testament deals with Israel. The New Testament deals with the church. Now salvation has been made available to everyone. And so that's what happens throughout the New Testament. And then we have, we have the church and we have Acts and we have the churches being planted and the churches being started. And this movement of following Jesus goes throughout history and it's still going today. And then we get to the book of Revelation. And this is where everyone goes, this is just way out there for me. I'm just not sure I can grab hold of what's in here. And Revelation, the first three, three chapters deal with these churches, these letters to these churches that, that John wrote dealing with all what was going on inside of them. So you have Revelation and then the rest of Revelation deals with this one word, the tribulation. The tribulation, and so um, and here's here's why it, it just it gets really, really, really confusing. And this is what we know when the rapture happens: we know that those that are followers of Jesus who have already died will leave their graves, and those of us that are still living will meet Jesus in the air along with these others, and we will be instantly changed. We will have new bodies. We will we will not suffer. The, the stuff that we suffer in, on this planet and our bodies, the aches, the pains, the, the cold. Who can say no more allergies, amen. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people that, man, the last couple weeks, allergies are just are, are kicking them in the teeth. We're not going to have to deal with that anymore. And so you have all this going on. And this is why things get so confusing. Because who in here has heard the term second coming? You've read it in the scripture. You've heard it talked about. Well, people throw that term around for a bunch, a bunch of different things. Sometimes they'll use it interchangeably with the rapture. Sometimes they'll talk about the actual second coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation. They'll use that, and they use it for a bunch of different things. And so we read and we go, what in the world does this mean? And what's the timeline of this happening? And, and what's going on here? And what's my part in it? And what, what, is, what is happening? I, I want you to think about the second coming as kind of the big reveal. And, and I'm going to illustrate it this way. As best I can from a man's perspective, ladies, you know a whole lot more about this. But I want you to think of the rapture as the moment, if you are pregnant, the rapture is the moment where the water, where the water breaks. 
for, for a, a lady who's pregnant in childbirth. The water breaks. It, it's, the, it's kind of the first step, the signal that birth is imminent, that it's coming, that it's going to happen. But, but in, until the water breaks, usually you, a birth is not going to happen. And the tribulation is the labor pains leading up to the delivery. Ladies, let me just say this to you. You guys are amazing individuals. And um, for, for what you deal with and what you walk through during birth. And, um, you know, I, I know when, when Crystal's been pregnant with our kids and, and, watch, and being in labor, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, I'm a man. I may faint right now, but thank you that I'm a man, right? I, I can't deal with this, what, you're, what she's dealing with right now. So, so the, the tribulation is kind of like the labor pains leading up to delivery. And um, the rapture, we look at the rapture as the most important thing because, because it's going to happen to us. Um, but the rapture is just the beginning of the childbirth process, the beginning of, of this whole um, rapture, tribulation, second coming of Jesus. The big deal, the biggest deal in Scripture, the rapture is highly important. But the biggest deal is the actual second coming of Jesus after the tribulation. It, it's when everything wraps up and we spend eternity with God in heaven. And, and, and so here, here's, here's the deal. And um, I'm just going gonna, gonna to put my own perspective, and I think it's biblical, and I'm going to walk you through some, some examples of it and some reasoning for it. Um, who in here has, has ever heard people talk about is the rapture going to happen pre-tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation? Who's ever heard those terms bancied? And people get, people get mad about this stuff. Um, I believe, and I'm going to just show you here in the next 10 minutes or so, from Scripture, why I believe uh, Scripture clearly shows that the rapture for us, whether we're dead in the grave or we're still living, the rapture for us is going to happen at the beginning of the tribulation. And you may disagree with me, and you still love Jesus, and that's fine, but you're wrong. But anyway, um, <laughs> we, can have de- we can have debates about that. But, but I-, I want you just to think with me for a moment. When the rapture happens and millions of people disappear, what that's going to be like. We're going to have neighbors that go, hey, what happened to the, the Smiths and the Blacks and what? Where, where did they go? Apparently these Christians were right, and I, I better start believing in God. I, but I, I think our world's probably going to interpret the rapture when all these people disappear a little bit differently. Because here's, here's what some of them are going to think. Man, I know my neighbor, and he was mean-spirited. And he wasn't a nice person. And he, wasn't, he wasn't friendly. And Jesus came and got him, really? And some others are going to go, well, I, I know, I, I know this, this, this guy who's a pastor, and he preached, and um, he worked in the church, and if the rapture happened, he's still here, what's going on? He's a good person. Well, only those of us that have a personal relationship with Jesus and have made him the Lord and Savior of our life are going are gonna to head off in the rapture. Good person, bad person, um, nice neighbor, mean neighbor, it has to do with Jesus. And we can't earn our way to heaven. 
um, we needed a Savior to make what was wrong right. And that's what last week was about, was Jesus living a sinless life and dying on a cross for us and being raised to life on the third day. And now we have life. But I, I would just think for a minute the utter confusion that's going to go on. There's going to be a board meeting going on of a company. And a salesman's giving a pitch. And when that trumpet sounds, when that rapture happens, someone's just going to disappear from that room. And they're going to be going, what in the world just happened? Think about um, someone driving a car. There's going to be people that are driving hundreds and hundreds of automobiles, not just in the United States, but around the world. And when the rapture happens and they're gone just like that instantly, there's going to be some chaos. Planes that are piloted by Christians, those that follow Jesus, you're not going to have a pilot anymore. I think about, I think about moms with young kids. And this is, I, scripture, I believe, clearly teaches this, that there's an age of accountability. So this is, this is really what we believe, that, you know, young kids that maybe haven't got to that age, two, three, four, whatever they may be, that haven't made a decision whether or not to follow Jesus, we believe that they're going to be with God in heaven. And so there's going to be young children missing all over the planet. They're just going to vanish. And, and rather than, than looking at Scripture, I, I think our society, and I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a verse to hang on this, but I, I, think, I think our society, just the way that it's going, is going to go, there's some type of alien force that abducted all these people, and they just disappeared. And people are going to go further and further and further and further from the truth. Listen, not everyone agrees with what I, with what I said about pre-tribulation. I, I just want to walk you through a couple of scriptures. Um, and, and if you don't believe that it's pre-trib, it, that's fine. We can both love Jesus and end up in heaven. Um, but I, I want to just throw out some reasons why I believe that, that the rapture, not the second coming, but the rapture of the church, the rapture of those that are following Jesus, happens before the tribulation starts. And here's why you want that to be true. Because in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about how millions of Christians will be martyred for believing in Jesus, and you do not want to be one of those. And so you may have a different perspective on the, when the rapture happens. Um, you, may, you may argue with me and say, I believe it's in the middle of the tribulation, or I believe it's at the end of the tribulation, but can I tell you this? You better pray that I'm right. And so let's look at some, some scripture, because I, I, this is not just an opinion that I'm throwing out there. I believe scripture clearly shows this. I, want, I, I have more reasons than this, but, but for time's sake, I only can give you three um, this morning. If you want more, if you want to have conversation around this, I'd love to talk with you more about this. Here's the first reason. Number one, there's some clear passages stating that Christians will not be here during the tribulation. Let me take you to a couple of them. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says this, And to wait for his son from heaven talking about Jesus, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. What could the coming wrath be? Let's move on to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. This is one of the churches of the, the letters that are happening at the beginning of Revelation. John writes these letters to these churches saying, this is what you've done well and this is where you've failed. And, and so in, in Revelation 3, verse 10, it says this, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. 
And so here we have these two scriptures and these passages that, that really shed light on Christians being spared from the coming wrath, which I believe clearly is what is going to happen in the tribulation. It's what we're going to see throughout this series as we look at what happens in, in the book of Revelation. So reason one, there's some clear passages stating Christians will not be here during the tribulation. Number two is this. The absence of the church during the tribulation. So in Revelation uh, chapters 1 through 3, the word church is used 19 times. 19, and he's talking to churches. He's writing these letters to these churches. Um, and then in Revelation chapter 4, we don't see that word church mentioned at all throughout the book of Revelation. It, it, it's not there. And when we say church, we're not talking about a building, right? We're talking about people. Because a building doesn't make a church. People do, Right? Um, so these three chapters in Revelation talk about church time and time and time again. And then, and then in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we see that it says that John was caught up into heaven to see what would happen next. So he writes these letters, and, and the Holy Spirit takes him up into heaven to show what is going to happen in the, in, in, in the coming days. Why was John taken up into heaven? Because we ha he's already written chapters 1 through 3 because he's already received that revelation. But he's caught up into heaven to see what would be next. And the next event being the tribulation. And we can see that John being caught up into heaven in chapter 4 as a symbolic sign of Christians being caught up into the rapture before the tribulation. Let me give you number three, and this is the one that, this is, this is the reason, um, besides the, the verses that we read under reason one, this is the reason I feel so strongly about this. Um, because people have interpreted some of those other verses in different ways. You read different versions, you hear different biblical scholars. But let me talk to you about reason three. And it's this, the Holy Spirit is removed from the world before the Antichrist can be revealed. And scripture clearly teaches this, I'm going to show you just in a minute. That the Holy Spirit is removed from the world before the Antichrist can be revealed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. This is what it says. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Talking about the second coming. And so this man of lawlessness or this power of lawlessness that we see here in these two verses, that theologians almost unanimously agree that the man of lawlessness is actually talking about the Antichrist. And that the one holding him back from appearing and from starting his work and from doing what he's going to do is the Holy Spirit. And scripture states that the Antichrist will only be revealed after the one who holds him back is taken out of the way. Why does that matter, Kevin? Because it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to be taken out of the world with Christians still there. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Do you know that? I mean, we, we come to faith and trust. We put our faith and trust in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. So if we're still in, if Christians, those that have made a decision to follow Jesus, are still in the world, and, and the Holy Spirit has to be taken away before the Antichrist can come and begin to do his work, we can't be here. Christ followers can't be in the midst of that. Now, there are going to be people that realize, hey, I, I 
I should have done something different with Jesus. And they turn their life over to Jesus. And that's where it talks about in Revelation 13 about how people are going to be killed. Millions of believers in Jesus will be killed during the tribulation. Let me give you some, uh, another scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It, it clearly tells us that the Holy Spirit was given to Christians as a deposit, as a guarantee of our inheritance in heaven. Until we get to heaven, we'll always have the Spirit with us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, this is what it says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That deposit, the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives cannot be removed. God doesn't remove it. God doesn't take it away until we are in heaven in his presence. So, so I believe this, that therefore it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to be absent during the tribulation while the church is still here because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And we can, we can talk through some more, and, and just for time's sake, I'm not going to give more, but, but I, I'd be happy to talk to any of you that want to kind of unpack this a little bit more. So here, here's, here's the nuts and bolts of today. We're talking rapture. We're talking Jesus returning for the church, being caught up in the air with God, whether we're dead or we're living at the time. If the rapture is the next thing that happens, can I put a date on it? Script, Jesus, scripture's really clear, Matthew 24, 26, or 36. This is, this is what it says. Jesus is talking about the end of time. He says, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, Jesus himself. Only the Father knows. If you've been in, in the Christian world for any number of years, um, there have been individuals that have come along predicting the dates of Jesus' return. Who's ever heard of those before? You've seen maybe publications. Um, let, let me just say this to you. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but Scripture clearly says no one, no man or woman knows the time. In fact, the angels don't know. Jesus himself doesn't know, only, the, only God the Father. So if someone is saying, hey, God's returning on April the 22nd, 2026, because I've seen a blood moon and a full moon, and I've seen this and that and this and that, can I, can I tell you, um, that person is one of two things. Either they're a charlatan, trying to fool people, trying to scheme people, trying to get money from people, trying to get people to believe something that's not true, or it's an incredibly arrogant person that think God spoke to them about the end times. Either way, they're wrong because Scripture clearly says we're not going to know. That trumpet blast, that rapture of the church is going to happen in an instant, in, in the blinking of an eye. And we're not going to know. But the, 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 the issue is this. It could happen today. And I'm not here to scare you. This isn't about scaring. But, but when the rapture happens, if I'm still living, I want my life to be lived in a way that honors God and brings him honor and glory with all that I do. I, I want to, him to be able to look at me and go, Kevin, you weren't perfect. <laughs> you weren't a perfect husband, perfect father, perfect friend, perfect boss, perfect employee, a perfect neighbor. You weren't perfect in any way. But I find you being faithful doing what I've asked you to do. I feel that way, and I have a feeling that many of you in this room feel the same way. And so if the rapture can happen, if it can happen today, and listen, I've grown up in church, I've heard from the time I was this big, Jesus can come back today. 
used to scare me. Like I couldn't find my parents in the house. Like maybe they're out in the garden or maybe they're, and I'm, I'm thinking the rapture happened. I'm here by myself. Mom and dad are gone. Who do I know that's not a Christian? Can I have to call? 911? I mean, you know, I just, no one knows the day or but it could happen just like that. And we'll get into some, some of the biblical prophecy, and I, I hope to make it relatable and understandable to the best of my ability with you through this series. But I want you just to think about technology for a minute. Can, and let me just say this. Um, People always are trying to read the signs of the times. But can I tell you, biblically, for what, what's prophesied about the, about the rapture, about the return of Jesus, the, the, not the second coming, but the rapture of the church, there is nothing scripturally that needs to happen that hasn't happened already. There's not a prophecy that we're waiting to come true. Jesus could, he could return today. And we don't, we get busy in life and we don't think about that and we don't really know how to process that. And we're like, really? You think? It's kind of rainy today. All the sun's coming out. I got stuff to do today. He could return today. And we know this to be too true that the, the return of Jesus is closer than any other generation that's ever lived. Um, and knowing that he could come tomorrow, he could come today, should change how we're living right now. It should, it, and, and some of us are like, man, there's some things I need to clean up. There's some things I need, to, I need to treat my spouse a little differently. I need to handle my finances in a biblical way, in a different way. I, I, I need, I need to, to care about the poor and suffering. I need to, uh, I, I need to be, be a better boss because, man, I let my employees have it all the time. And my anger gets going. And I, 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 I want to I serve more. I, there are things that, that we know that we should do and need to do differently. And I, I just want to say we need to have an urgency about that because God could come today. He could return for us today. And we want to find, we want him to find us living in a way that would please and honor him. Let me give you one more scripture and then we're going to pray together. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 says this. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. Kevin, what does that mean? I don't know for sure. <laughs> there are things in the Bible um, that I, I certainly can't explain and give full uh, understanding of. And you could have the smartest theologian up here um, trying to teach us, and they, there would be some things that he or she would not be able to fully explain. But, but I know this, the promises of God never fail, right? The promises of God always come true. Now, they don't happen in the timing that we want sometimes. They don't even happen in the way that we want sometimes, but they always come true because he's faithful and, uh, and he loves us. He's a loving, heavenly father. And that is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing for us to believe. And so as we go through this series over the next handful of weeks, and I know for, for, for some of us, it's like, ah, this kind of makes me nervous. Remember what I said at the very beginning. We're going to talk about some stuff that goes, what in the world? God gave us the book of Revelation so that we'd have confidence, not fear. Are there some scary things in this book? And there's some stuff that makes you go, I don't even know if I can imagine that. There's beasts with eyes and wings and 
all time. There's stuff makes us go, I, that, that, I'm, that's out of my comfort zone. But remember, the whole purpose of Revelation is so that you and I, as followers of Jesus, could live with an urgency to share Jesus, to live in ways that honor him, and that we could live with confidence. Because Jesus wins. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what Fox News says. I don't care what One America says. Whatever. Wherever you get your news and your stuff from, I, I don't, what's happening in the world is important. We need to pay attention to it. But it doesn't matter how dark the stock market looks or the financial crisis or the housing. None of that matters because I know in the end that Jesus wins. That, that I, don't, I, don't have to, I, I don't have to let those things consume me. Do I need to react to them? Do I need to uh, be, pay attention to them? Do I need to make wise decisions based on those things? Absolutely. But in the end, we win. Because we serve a risen Savior who was powerful enough to overcome death and the grave. And I want you to know that today. I want, that should fill us with hope and that should fill us with confidence. And if we are not where we need to be with Jesus, meaning we haven't made him the Lord and Savior of our life, we need to make a choice today. Because he, he could return. I know some of you are thinking, Kevin, I hope you end because I'm hungry. He could return before lunch. That server could be bringing you your meal and then, doo, 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 you know, and you're gone. That's a horrible trumpet sound. I'm going to have to work on that in this series, right? Someone give me trumpet lessons. Anyway, um, I'm going to pray with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for your word, for the, the Bible that you've given to us. Everything's inspired from the book of Genesis all the way through the end in Revelation. And um, God, there's just some things we don't fully understand and we, we don't fully grasp and we can't fully know. But we do know that we can trust you. Thank you for this, this book that's maybe times misunderstood and and. God, I, I, you gave that to us so that we could have confidence that no matter how dark or how hopeless this world looks, that in the end, Jesus, you win. And as, as, as we follow you, as we live for you, as we serve you, God, we, we're a part of that win. And we can depend on that. We can bank on that. And I, I pray right now for, for my friends that, that maybe are here today and thinking about end times and what's going to happen. And it brings, it brings uncertainty and unease and maybe fear. God, we know that your perfect love casts out fear according to what scripture says. And I, I, I just pray right now for any of my friends that are feeling that today. God, would your perfect love come into their mind and their heart. And, and fill them with that so that they don't have to live in fear anymore. That we can live with confidence with a sense of, of awareness, with a sense of ex expectation that Jesus, that you would come. God, you, you want us to live, live our lives day by day to, to the fullest, getting the most that we can out of each day, but at the same time realizing this is not our home, that we were, we were born for more than this, that our home is, is in heaven with you for eternity.
God, thank you so much for making a way for us to have a relationship with you through Jesus. God, would you open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to what your word says as we walk through the series, as we read in this book uh, of Revelation, of, of what you gave to John. And God, would it fill us with confidence and hope and urgency for your honor and your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, we ask these things and agree together and say, amen. Just keep your eyes closed with me for one more moment. When I was a kid, I invited a neighbor friend. We used to always play in our backyard football, baseball, and we just, we played. Um, Unless it was pouring rain or the weather was, and sometimes even then we were outside playing. I invited him to come to church with me, and he came on a Sunday night, um, which was always kind of a different service in the church I grew up in. It was, um, it it just had a different feel than the Sunday morning services that we had. And um, the night that he came, there was, we had an evangelist, I don't even remember the evangelist's name, but, but it, was, it was very much what we would label kind of hellfire and brimstone to the point where my, my friend, who, who grew up Catholic, I mean, they, they were practicing Catholics, it scared him so bad. Talking about end times and, and hell and fire and judgment and damnation, and it, it, it scared him to the place where he's like, I, he wasn't sure what to do. And we're like nine or ten years old. I don't remember exactly how old, but I, I, I was still in older elementary school. And that stuck with me through these years in that um, the Bible just says this in the book of Romans, that, it, that, it's the, that it's the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance, that he, that he loves us and, and he doesn't want us to be scared in getting to a place where we turn our lives over to him. But, but I also know that when we talk about end times and these things that are kind of uneasy and we're not sure about that sometimes fear and, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. And, and we, we can scare ourselves into making a decision. And I, I want to just put it this way for us this morning, that making a decision to follow Jesus Christ happens when we realize that we're, we're sinners. We all are sinners, everyone in this room, everyone on this planet that's ever lived. We're sinners and, and we're in need of a Savior. And there's nothing scary about that. That's a wonderful thing because a Savior has been made available to us. His name is Jesus. And you can be a good person and a great friend and a loving spouse and still not make it to heaven because it has everything to do with what we do with Jesus. If we believe and put our trust and faith in him and invite him into our life to be our Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive us of the sins that we've committed and we start this new journey with him. And I want to give you an opportunity in this moment before we close for you to make that decision to follow Jesus. And a lot of times I'll just lead in a prayer um, and just say, hey, would you pray this this from your own heart? But I I want to ask today, and I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or put you on the spot, but if you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus and you want to make that choice today, I want you just to lift your hand up and we're going to pray together. I'm not going to wait long. And listen, Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. God, I thank you for my friends that are here today. And um, 
God, we, we just, we, we, we say, we admit that we've sinned and we admit that we've uh, fallen short of your standard because of sin. And Jesus, we, we ask right now that you would come into our life to be our Lord and Savior. We, we trust you, we believe in you, and, and we want to live for you from this moment on. Thank you for making a way for us to have a relationship with you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. I want us to do something to wrap up today. Would you just stand to your feet? And um, and this this is a little different. Uh, I don't know that I've ever ended a service this way, but we're going to do it today. We're going to try it out. I want you, if you need to do this, if you need to imagine that you're at the it's your it's your favorite. Uh, team's game, whether that's college or pro, whatever sport it may be, or, or you just saw this amazing sale on Amazon or actually in the store and you're getting excited, but, but I want us just to cheer today because we win. Because I, I know when I win, I, I, it feels good to cheer. When your team wins, it feels good to cheer. Can we just cheer and thank the Lord together in this moment because we know that we win. Super Bowl, better than a national championship, better than um, a great sale at your favorite story. It, it, it's the best news ever. And no matter what we face this week, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what we see in the news, um, would you just keep that in mind with you throughout this week? Revelations given to us that we can have confidence and not live in fear because we know that we win in the end. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing day. Thanks for being with us.